Amen. Hello and welcome to another edition, a special neon edition of United Worship. Uh, so glad you could all be here. Yeah. Uh, my name is Pastor Johnny and I serve as a student pastor here. And I, I got to tell you, tell you every week, Wednesdays are awesome. I love coming in here, uh, being in a room uh, full of students and adults each and every week, gathering in this room to connect with God and each other. Um, so if you ever wondered why we call it United, that, that's really why we do that. Um, we show up to this place to unite our hearts with God. As individuals, we come here to connect with God. And then, on another level, we come to connect with each other. Because if you look around, we have tons of different age groups. We have tons of different schools represented here. Um, and we all come into this one place um, and, and all kind of bonded together under this unifying idea uh, of uh, falling in love with God. So we come to unite ourselves with God and uh, with each other. So if you're here tonight... And uh, you don't consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you wandered in here because you heard about glow sticks and it's like your favorite thing in the world. Uh, maybe you had a friend that invited you that duped you into being here and, you know, they tricked you and they're like, oh, yeah, this is a cool place. We're going to go hang out. Oh, by the way, it's church. Um, you know, it, it's totally cool. That's okay. This is a really safe place to be to kind of come and eavesdrop on this thing that we call Christianity, this thing that we call church, and kind of hear just a little bit about what we believe as Christians. There's not going to be any pressure here to make any decisions or anything like that, but we do hope that in some way here that you get to hear something that maybe uh, strikes your fancy a little bit about, about God and this Christianity thing. And I want you to know that if you're here and you have those questions, whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, any adult in this room, um, I'm here, any of our staff, um, we would love to answer those questions for you or, or give it our best effort. If you are here and you are a Christian, uh, I hope that something tonight grabs your heart um, and, and, and as a seed is planted in there and grows and sprouts and produces this great, awesome uh, fruit. Whether it's something from the songs, I mean, the awesome band leading up here with this super cute singer. I mean, I don't know where she came from. <laughs> I know, right? For those of you that think that's really weird, that's my wife. And so, <laughs> and it's our anniversary today. We've been married for four years. Yeah, yeah right? What a what a hot what a hot date this is, right? <laughs> uh, man. So, uh, anyways, really, really, really happy that she had to come and sing. Loved it. Loved to worship with her, um, and she she sings and leads some of our other bands in the church. And so, just just blessed to have her here uh, tonight. But if, if it was a song lyric, maybe it's something that we we talk about this this minute in the scripture. Maybe it's something in your small groups. Maybe something kind of in the margins when we're hanging out. Hope. Something grabs a hold of your heart today and it, and it encourages you and inspires you to go live it out in the world. Last week, we started talking about uh, some unknown or little-known heroes in the Bible. Uh, this is always a fun exercise for me, and I hope it is for you, um, because it, it's, a, it's a chance for us to dig deep uh, into the Scriptures, into the Bible, and into places that we don't really venture uh, too often it's also fun because over these past couple weeks, last week, this week, and, and next week, uh, these unlikely heroes or unknown heroes are all women. It's all about girl power for, the, for, for these couple weeks, right? Um, so, uh, so often we focus on guys in the Bible, uh, people like Moses and, and Peter and Joshua, King David, Paul. Um, but we definitely want to spend some time highlighting these amazing women uh, that are in the Bible that do crazy awesome things. Uh, that sometimes get overlooked, and they have a lot to teach us. So we really want to look at those. Last week, we looked at the book of Joshua. We looked at the book of Joshua, though it has a man name, 
uh, we looked at the character of Rahab that is found in chapter 2 there. Uh, she was the prostitute that found God and, and risked it all, risked, uh, risked everything she had, including her life, for her faith. And we asked ourselves the question, what risks am I taking because of my faith? What am I doing? How am I putting myself out there because of my faith? We, watched, we, we read how Rahab d- did that, and she believed something so strongly that she, she put her life on the line for her. What are we doing uh, for, for the sake of our faith? This week, we'll be looking at the book of Judges. Now, how many people in here knew that Judges was a book in the Bible? Very good. I'm surprised that many hands even came up. Yes, the book of Judges. And we're going to be looking at an amazing woman named Deborah. All right, I saw somebody here, <laughs> Trevor, Deborah. <laughs> uh, I saw somebody here with a Deborah shirt on over here, so that's cool. You got the memo, we're, we're up here, we're, we're going. Uh, so girls, if you're looking for a hero, you found one tonight in Deborah. We're going to be talking about her. Guys, you need to listen up, because what Deborah does is awesome. Deborah's a crazy awesome person, I can't wait to talk all about it. So here we go. In the book of Judges, right, Book of Judges, it's near the beginning of the Bible. The Bible starts with Genesis. What comes next? Exodus. Exodus. Super good. Next? Leviticus. Leviticus. Man, we're getting smarter. Next? Numbers. Deuteronomy. Joshua. Judges. Man, give yourselves a hand. Y'all are great. So good. Y'all could go on like Bible Jeopardy or something. Uh, Do y'all even know what Jeopardy is? Wow. I just realized that. Yes, Alex Trebek, definitely. So in chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Judges, you will find the story of Deborah. Now to understand the significance of Deborah, we must understand the significance of the book of Judges. Now, the book of Judges often... Right, slow clap for Judges. Uh, The book of Judges often confuses people. If you've ever just cracked your Bible open to the book of Judges and you start reading, you might be thinking... What the heck does God have to do with any of this? Where, where is God in all of this nonsense? It is a violent and chaotic book. And, and it is hard. It is hard if you're just cracking it open and starting to read. It's hard to understand the book of Judges without knowing the context uh, surrounding it. So, Judges is this. In the midst of the violent and turbulent. You know what turbulent is, right? You, you hear turbulence on a plane where it gets shaky and rattly and... You, you remember all of a sudden that you're up in the air like tens of thousands of feet in a big metal box? Uh, turbulent. It's just shaky. It's chaotic. It's crazy. We talked about Joshua and, and the Israelites trying to settle in this promised land. And it was just a violent and chaotic and turbulent time uh, during Joshua's conquest of Canaan. And then you find uh, in chapter 2 of Judges, it says this, The Lord raised up judges. The Lord raised up judges to provide leadership for the kingless people. One such leader was Deborah. Now, she wasn't the first. I think she was like the third or fourth, fourth, fourth judge. One such leader was Deborah. And in verse 4 of chapter 4, where her story begins, you, you would read this. Deborah, a prophet, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. Now, as both a prophet and a judge, Deborah exercised complete religious, political, judicial, it's a big word, big word, judicial, that's why I went ahead and wrote that one down for you, you don't have to even try to spell that one, 
judicial and militaristic authority over the people of Israel. That's what a judge was. It wasn't quite a king, but it was a leader. And Deborah served as both a prophet and a judge. So she exercised all of these things. A judge would normally just be like political, judicial, militaristic. But as a prophet as well, she was also the religious leader of Israel at the time. She was the commander-in-chief. She was the president. She was the leader, right? And chapter 4 of Judges is the story of Deborah's successful, successful military campaign against the king of Canaan. Um, Quick story about that. Whenever I was um, probably in this age bracket somewhere in here, um, uh, one of my favorite pastimes was to look through the Bible and find the craziest, weirdest stories and then when people would ask, hey, what's your favorite Bible verse? I would tell them that one. That was really like, and you can find one of those stories here in chapter four of Judges, uh, a woman named Jael. And um, this, this um, successful military campaign was really just one death. And it was Jael assassinating somebody with a tent spike through their temple. So pretty cool story. Chapter four of Judges, crack that Bible open. Um, but you, you, see, you see this really strange story, and this king just surrenders to Deborah, sees, sees the, uh, the power and authority that Deborah has, and just surrenders. It, it, there's not even a war. It's just over. And then you have chapter 5, which is one of the ancient Near East's oldest uh, military poems that they have, and it's called The Song of Deborah, and it, it kind of punctuates that victory. It's a whole song written, which was something that was done often. When you had this big victory, you wrote a big song about it, and everybody sung of that for years and years and years. So thanks to Deborah, and in that time, Israel enjoyed about 40 years of peace, which was something that was kind of new to them. And these first few judges were able to instill that, this, this peace. Uh, and if you were to read on in Judges, if you were to go on past Deborah, basically from Deborah on, you start to see this sharp decline in the leadership of these judges. Pretty soon you have this, you know, you have Deborah and you have this 40 years of peace and then you have people that it just, it goes right back into this cycle of violence and it's turbulence. So you look at Deborah and you're like, man, Deborah was a special, special person because of the way she was able to lead Israel. Um, No future judge lived up to the incredible leadership of Deborah. I love Deborah's story. I love Deborah's story in the Bible because it is so unexpected. Because if I were just to start tonight, and I were to say, hey, tonight we're going to talk about a prophet and, and a leader and a, a military commander, I'm, my guess is that both guys and girls in this room would begin picturing a man in their head. Because that's who we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some guy who's this big military leader and religious leader and is a prophet. And, you know, that's what's going to happen. That's, that's where our minds would go. And it's so unexpected when you hear that it was Deborah. That was Deborah that did it, and she did it with cleverness and integrity. What a, what a great leader Deborah was. And that's what makes Deborah's story so unexpected. It's not because that a woman isn't capable of doing those things. It's just we get so used to, to stereotypes, and we get so used to boxing different people in. And so when we hear those words, we would have thought of a male. But if you don't already know this, you should know that lo- God loves to do the unexpected. God loves to do the unexpected. Just when we think we've figured God out and the way he works, he loves to do the unexpected. God works in the unexpected. So I want to tell you another story of an unexpected hero. This uh, is Malala. I don't know if you've ever heard of Malala. Yeah. 
This is a girl named Malala. She was born in Pakistan. And at age 11, Malala began writing and speaking out against the oppressive rule of the Taliban as they threatened little girls uh, to keep them from going to school and getting an education. Now, I think it's a very important side note that I need to say now, um, just so we get this clear. The Taliban is not the same thing as Muslims, right? You cannot equate those two words. Now, the Taliban consider themselves Muslims, right? But when you say Muslim, it doesn't mean Taliban. It doesn't mean ISIS. The Taliban is an extremist group. And they represent a very, very tiny, 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 tiny percentage of the Islamic world, right? Billions of people are Muslims and only a very, very, very tiny bit um, go to the extremes that the Taliban does. So uh, I want you to know that up front. We do a lot of uh, reducing down, and this is not me to hear, t- I'm not talking about um, Islam or, or Muslims um, as a religion. I'm talking about a total extremist, terrible group called the Taliban. Now, soon enough, the Taliban uh, heard about Malala, right? And, and because they don't want women being educated and being leaders in any sort of way, um, they began to send death, th- death threats to an 11-year-old Girl. Now, uh, this did not stop Malala. They warned her, you can't speak anymore. We don't want you writing anymore. We don't want you causing trouble. You need to quit it or you're going to die. But she kept on going. She would not let that deter her because she thought there is no way they would actually do something to a child. Yet at age 15, when she was on her way home from school, a member of the Taliban boarded the bus that she was on and shot her in the head in front of everybody. But the good thing is, is the story does not end there. That's not where the story is. As horrific as that is, the story doesn't end there because the Taliban failed to silence Malala because Malala didn't die that day. Malala didn't die that day. She made a full recovery and is now a 17-year-old who writes, has written a book. Uh, she speaks all over the world. Um, she writes still. She speaks on behalf of the oppressed. She's even been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize twice in 2013 and 14. She's had the honor of addressing the UN uh, and talking about her story and, and, and her cause and her fight uh, for education for women and children everywhere. Malala is an amazing person. Deborah and Malala both are just two stories among countless, countless stories of people that have been counted out, people that have been boxed in, people that have been stereotyped, people that have, um, people that have been pushed into the corner and thought, you will never achieve anything, you're not allowed to achieve anything, and yet they achieve great things. Both Deborah and Malala refuse to compromise their call on their life. They refused to compromise the call that was on their life um, <clears throat> simply because others might not have believed in them. Now, I know some of you in this room kind of have, have, have felt this before. I'm, I'm actually betting a large majority of you in this room have felt this before in some way that maybe you have felt boxed in or, or stereotyped. 
that you that people look at you away and, and, and think a certain thing about you and maybe think that you're not capable of a whole lot. Uh, maybe because you're you're too young or you're too little, you're not cool enough, you're not smart enough. Uh, you look weird, you smell weird, you know, whatever. You, the, people people see you in a way and speak to you in a way that is to keep you boxed in and stereotyped and held down and not capable of achieving much. Maybe that somebody is you. Maybe you say those things to yourself and you, 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 talk, you constantly talk down to yourself and you have these thoughts about, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to amount to much, how could little me do anything great? You know, I'm going to do my best to just pass my math class. How am I able to, to be a part of God's plans for the world? How am I ever going to uh, change the world? Maybe you've convinced yourself that you're limited. But the truth is, God believes in you. The truth is that God believes in you. God believes that you are capable of big things if you'll only trust and follow. So my question is this tonight. How is God challenging you? Think about this now. How is God challenging you to step outside the boxes that others create for you or that you have created for yourself? How is God challenging you to step outside that box? This kind of goes with what we talked about last week about this idea of risk-taking. How is God challenging you to step outside that box that either others have created for you or you have created for yourself? Here's our last point, and then we're going to close. Uh, Trusting God's will, trusting God's will for us can push us to move beyond stereotypes and limitations to the great work God has planned for us. Trusting God's will for us can push us to move beyond the stereotypes and limitations to the great work that God has planned for us. I'm going to close this with a word of prayer and then uh, Amanda's going to come up and, and give you some instructions. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for this night. Thank you for the opportunity to be here in this place and worship. God, we just pray as we come here and, and, and we are in your presence that we, that we recognize each other's presence here, that we welcome each other to this place. And God, we just pray that, that we, can, we can see beyond the boxes that we put ourselves in or that others put us in and to know that uh, putting our trust in you, God, we can break free of those stereotypes and those limitations, and we can be a part of that great work that you have called us all to, God. Just give us the courage to live into that, to trust you and to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen.